Hello, you are listening to Radio Maria, and this is your word for today with me, Edmund Matiaszek. And today, being the feast of St. Faustina, we will be looking at divine mercy, the mercy Our Lady proclaimed in her Magnificat from St. Luke's Gospel. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. But a text from the Feast of Divine Mercy itself, now the second Sunday after Easter each year, as established by Pope Francis in 2011, may assist us in our exploration of the devotion of Divine Mercy as established by Saint Faustina. It is from Saint John's Gospel of the feast day itself. Jesus said to him, have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Sister Faustina was one of the rare group of saints who was granted actual visions of our Lord. But these above words from the gospel are very true for all of us. And her devotion of the divine mercy is and has been a most potent aid to belief for millions. Saint Faustina was born Helena Kowalska in 1905 in a town in central Poland called Łódź. It's actually spelt L-O-D-Z. It's west of Warsaw, the capital, and north of Krakow, which of course was the diocese of Pope John Paul II. Poland at that time was divided between the Austrian, German and Russian empires. But she gained her independence in 1918, at the end of the First World War, when Helena was just 15. She herself felt a calling from an early age to the religious life. And there is a charming story of how in 1924, at the age of 19, when she was dancing at a party with her sister Natalia, she had a vision of her Lord asking her, almost rebuking her, how long shall I tolerate you? And for how long will you keep avoiding me? To her credit, she reacted immediately and left her home to enter a convent in Warsaw. She took her initial vows in 1928 at the age of 23 and then final vows in 1933 at the age of 28. But it was before these final vows, on Sunday, February the 22nd, 1931, that the story of the Divine Mercy really begins. Our Lord appeared to her wearing a white garment, and from his heart came two rays, distinctly red and one white or pale. The red, of course, is of his blood that redeems us, and the white or pale one is of the water that washes clean. His right hand was raised in a blessing, and his left hand was touching his garment near his heart. Our Lord asked Sister Faustina, as she was then, to paint an image of what she saw with the inscription, Jesus, I trust in you. Our Lord told her he wanted the image venerated throughout the world and that souls that, who venerate this image will not perish. This is the famous image that many have in their houses and their churches <clears throat> that inspire so many to place their trust in the Lord. She began to keep a notebook of her visions and communications with Jesus. It is very personal and the warmth and humanity of many of the communications noted is very striking. I'd like to read you the first of two sets of extracts from her notebooks 
um, to give you a clear sense of their content. These are the words of our Lord to Sister Faustina. Encourage the souls with whom you come into contact to trust in my infinite mercy. Oh, how I love those souls who have complete confidence in me. I will do everything for them. But why are you fearful? And why do you tremble when you are united to me? I am displeased when a soul yields to vain terror. Who will dare to touch you when you are with me? Most dear to me is the soul that strongly believes in my goodness and has complete trust in me. I heap my confidence upon it and give it all it asks. After her final vow, she moved um, to the, a convent in Vilno, or Vilnius, that's now the capital of Lithuania, and was most fortunate in the confessor to the nuns that was there, a Father Michael Sopochko. It's spelt S-O-P-O-C-K-O. She communicated her conversations to him, and after initial scepticism, and in fact a referral for psychiatric examination, he began to believe in her, and it was via him and another brave Polish priest that the Divine Mercy materials were smuggled out of Poland in 1941 to reach America that year because of the dangers of the war in Poland. The third element in the devotion, uh, beside the image itself and her notebook, is the chaplet of Divine Mercy and the novena that goes with it, about which she had a vision in 1935. Now, it is this chaplet which is, of course, recited on Divine Mercy Sunday and is based on the rosary whose great feast occurs this Saturday on October the 7th. And I do urge all of you who can come to gather at St. Dominic's Rosary Shrine in Haverstock Hill, just north of Regent's Park in London. The inestimable benefits of praying the rosary communally will then take place. But this understanding that Sister Faustina was granted in 1935, included showing mercy to others. And in a way, it is fair to say the twin sides of this devotion of divine mercy mirror the great commandments to love God with our whole heart, our whole mind and our whole strength, and to love our neighbour as ourself, taking our Lord as the pattern for our own behaviour and disposition. Now I'd like here to read another set of extracts to give another sense of um, Faustina's notebook. I desire that the whole world know my infinite mercy. I desire to grant unimaginable graces to those souls who trust in my mercy. I am love and mercy itself. When a soul approaches me with trust, I fill it with such an abundance of graces that it cannot contain them within itself, but radiates them to other souls. Sooner would heaven and earth turn into nothingness, then would my mercy not embrace a trusting soul. And here is such a direct echo of, of the 24th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, where our Lord says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. These further extracts from her notebook of her conversations with our Lord show the tenderness and generosity that so mark this devotion and is, I'm sure, one of the aspects that has made it so popular. It actually underwent a partial ban in the 1950s and afterwards, due, it appears, possibly to misunderstandings based on poor translations. 
But Pope, now St. John Paul, of course, he was Bishop of Krakow then, reversed this as soon as he could as a bishop and then Pope. And it was he who approved unequivocally the devotion and finally beatified Sister Faustina in 1993 and then canonized her as Saint Faustina in 2000, as he markedly said, the first saint of the new millennium. Pope Francis then confirmed the second Sunday after Easter as Divine Mercy Sunday in 2011 and has since raised this day to the dignity of a feast. And it's rather comforting to know that Saint Faustina herself was given an understanding that the Feast of Divine Mercy will be celebrated in this way. Now, it was her good confessor, Father Sapochko, who wrote the first pamphlet on the devotion in 1936 and became the devotion's main promoter. He survived the war. Sister Faustina herself began to fall ill in 1936 and was moved to Krakow, later, of course, Pope John Paul's diocese, and died exactly 85 years ago today in her convent there in Krakow, and that is why this is the date of her feast. Divine Mercy has been one of the fastest growing and most popular devotions of the last and present century. I think one can see similarities between the way St. Therese of Lisieux from the obscurity of her convent and also St. Padre Pio of Pietrelcina have equally become so loved and trusted in their teaching by so many. The message of each is simple and memorable. The words of mercy, of course, are St. Faustina's. But the little way of Therese with her simple statement about pursuing God in love in little things, all the words pray, hope, and don't worry of Padre Pio, all inculcate this trust and love of God. We cannot all be enclosed in a cell of prayer in a convent or a, or a priory, but we can enter at all times the cell or the enclosure of our heart where we see with the eyes of faith. And those acts and times of prayer are when we can reach the heart of heaven itself. And the devotion of the divine mercy is one of our greatest means to do so. There is none better way perhaps to end than to quote our own national poet in his last play, Shakespeare, who was of course brought up a Catholic and whose father and daughter were both listed as recusants or recusants in their refusal to attend Anglican services out of loyalty to the Catholic faith and church. What he says here in the epilogue to his final play, The Tempest, spoken by Prospero, can sum up in our own literature this so well. Gentle breath of yours my sails must fill, or else my project fails, which was to please. Now I want spirits to enforce, art to enchant, and my ending is despair, unless I be relieved by prayer, which pierces so that it assaults mercy itself and frees all faults. As you from crimes would pardoned be, let your indulgence set me free. And may the Lord have mercy on us all. And if we may now end in the prayer so familiar to us of Our Lady and say together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.